And you know, I'm reminded, uh, 16 years ago, I met this lovely young girl, and she was 28, 29. I was under 40, you know. <laughs> and the one thing that really um, struck me uh, was, I, you know, God sent a gift to me. And as I started to unpack her life, I started to realize in this box, there wasn't just one thing, that there was multiple things that God had for me. And the one thing he had for me, which I didn't know, is Teresa used to work on a radio uh, program called Anti-Conformity. She used to be on Radio Tigerberg. And uh, in us sort of getting to know each other, she mentioned that she's on air on a Thursday night. And I remember I used to lie in my bed and this angelic voice would come over the radio. You know what I mean? And so I'm going to ask her with that angelic voice, because she hasn't lost it, that, 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 that Radio Tigerberg voice, sweetheart, to read my first scripture this morning. Uh, I want her to read. I was going to ask Chloe. Chloe, you get to read the second one. Uh, so, so, yeah, sweetheart, if you can do that for me, and just that piece, my angel. That'll be great. Thanks. I stay in Wellington now, so I'm more Afrikaans. <laughs> I'll try. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is the one, and there's no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Mark 12, 28 to 34. Thank you, my lovely. It's a moist thing. So the scribes saw Jesus talking and... Um, and uh, other Pharisees were arguing with him and the question was asked which is the greatest commandment and he said you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your mind and you shall love your neighbor as yourself and then Jesus said to him you are not far from the kingdom of God so the kingdom of God is at the place where you love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. There is where the kingdom of God is. And in a, in a, in a, in a sense this morning, I'm going to ask you to measure your life, to weigh yourself. I want you to see a balance scale. I want you to measure your life this morning. Are you living a life? Are you living a life that is actually worth living? Many people live, as we know, and many people die. But I think some people never live a life that's worth living. And you get one life. So I think we need to live a life that is worth living. Everybody wants to be loved, accepted, and belonged. Everybody. Every single one of you sitting over here, every single one of you wants to be loved. All right. 
And everybody wants to love. That's at the essence. That's at the candle. That is the wax that causes the flame to burn. So I'm going to read a second part of Scripture. And this is my favorite portion of Scripture. But once again, I'm going to ask Chloe, why don't you come read for us, Chloe, out of 1 John 4. Yeah, verse 7 to 18. Quite a long piece. But this is arguably most probably the portion of Scripture that I think the Lord has highlighted the most to me in my life. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to read through over there. And um, when you finish reading, why don't you say, Blessed be the word of the Lord. Can you do that? Okay, 1 John 4 verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Blessed be the word of the Lord. 1 John 4, 7 to 18. I hope if you are making notes, you wrote that portion of Scripture down, 1 John 4, verse 7 to 18. In that very short portion of Scripture, I think you can maybe preach 20 sermons at least. It's really one of the most profound pieces of writing uh, for me and uh, I believe for John that wrote it. And um, there's so much in it. And for us to build our foundation well, even in our going, as we go to Ireland, Zambia, the motivation, that which burns in our heart, the wax of our lives, needs to be the love of God. And I want to tell you the love of God doesn't come naturally. It comes supernaturally. And we are called and commanded to love God and to love each other. It's not a gentle suggestion by God. It's a commandment of the Lord. And it's truly profound because when John writes this, 
I want you to consider the maturity with which he writes. He says, so we have come to know, we have come to know. There's a progression in John's thoughts and heart. We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. How many of you sitting here this morning doubt the love of God for your life? Many. But John says, in the progression of my life, as I've lived my life and before God, I have come to know. In another portion of Scripture, I'm fully persuaded, the Apostle Paul says. I'm fully persuaded. I've come to know the love that God has for us. God is love. And then it says this, whoever abides, or a better, maybe more uh, common is, whoever remains in love. Whoever remains in love remains in God. If you're outside of love, you're outside of God. Whoever remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. So John declares this. The evidence, the evidence, the proof of Christ in you is the love that you have for God and others. The proof, the evidence, that which you need to know that you are in Him is defined by your ability to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your, and to love the person sitting next to you. Just look next door to you for a moment. I won't make it awkward and say you need to say I love you because it's, you know, but your ability... Your ability to love the person next to you defines whether you are in or in, not in Christ. And I love worship, Keenan. You say, I can't have a sermon without mentioning Keenan's name because I'm so proud that I've learned it after three years. I used to call him Keegan for the first three years. I love worship. I love to jump. I love to shout and, 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 and worship God. But I've often said this. It's not how high you jump and how loud you shout. It's how straight you walk when your feet hit the ground that counts. In other words, what you do tomorrow. What do you do when you have an offense to a brother? What do you do when you need to love someone who is unlovable? When, when I offend your life because I maybe said something to you, how do you love me? Irrespective. And so the proof, the evidence, my question is, if we put you on trial for being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, would they find sufficient evidence to convict you? In other words, is there sufficient proof that Christ is in you? And we measure that by your love that you have for one another. Because you see, it's easy to love God because He's perfect. It's easy to love who, Him who you can't see. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. And then on the way to church, Livy, to worship you, oh, my soul rejoice. George, George loves this when I do this, eh, George? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Hey, Santi, it is quiet for you. Johnny, what's nonsense here? 
You see, the proof of Christ in you, the evidence is that you love God and love people. How will the world know that you're a disciple? By the love that I have for Yanni. That's how the world knows. The love that I have for Mo. The love that I have for Chloe. Debs. That's how the world will know. The way I love Julie. The way I love you will define the world whether I'm a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. I truly and honestly believe this, Mo. At the essence and the center of any revival is a genuine outpouring of love for one another because you see the world is looking for that because in the world it's completely the opposite. I tried to watch a movie or two this week and um, it's terrible because you can't watch anymore. You, 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 you've got to watch and, then, and, and flip and fast forward and you know, and I like dramas. I like people's life stories. I'm interested in people. So I like to watch drama, you know. But it's so difficult. You feel you the shower when you finish because you're so busy fast-forwarding. Why? Because the world, all it can think of is lust. The world has no concept of how to love and to serve you or to serve one another. The world's got no concept of this. It's what I can get out of it. There's something very profound that John says. He says, he says, he says, he also declares this. He says, we, in 1 John, it says, we must love through him. And you're in the key. Loving someone's not in your own strength, but it's with the grace that God gives you. With the ability that God gives you. It's with his enabling grace that we are able to love. So if you are yielded and surrendered to Christ and full of Him, your ability to love will be easy. If your heart is not a burn and a flame for Him, your ability to love will be difficult. If you live a life outside of the Spirit and in carnality, you're going to battle to love your wife and your husband and your brother and your sister. So I want to look at 1 Corinthians 13 because that will always be my second portion of scripture that I love to turn to about love. And I'm really going to concentrate on one verse in the whole of 1 Corinthians 13. Are you ready for it? Amen? You with me? Evelyn, I'm going to read it quickly. So I want to read it quickly and I'm going to focus on verse 7 that talks about four things. So 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I speak in tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Everyone ever been in worship with is a bad drummer? No? It's terrible. I'm glad you're a good drummer. And if I have prophetic powers and understand mysteries and knowledge, it's kind of like Debs. And if I have faith to remove mountains, like Mo, but I have not love, Mo, Debs, Noah, you're just a nothing. If you do not have love, give up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. God is love. And if you don't have him, Jesus, you have nothing. It's quite profound, eh? So the world doesn't have God, and the world doesn't have Jesus. So how can they love? It's quite a question. 
Love is patient, love is kind, it's not envy or boastful, it's not arrogant, it's not rude, it does not insist on its own way, it's not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love is not irritable. So maybe I should have entitled my message, The Confession of an Elder. That would also help. Because this week I was really irritable. It was actually very difficult. I've been in a lot of pain for a number of days. And you know, and if you had a toothache for like a week, kind of gets you, eh? especially when you can't get the pain gone. So it's been a difficult week for me. And I find it wears you down, you know. And I got a bit irritable, eh, lovey? And I got irritable, Tim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Timmy's going like this because he love covers. <laughs> but even in that little bit of irritability, you see, I, I measure my life against this. My question is, do you measure your life or do you just live your life? Do you measure your life, Neelan? Do you measure your life? Do you measure your life, Rian, in the way you love your wife? Are you looking for the evidence, George? Are you looking for it to see, am I in Christ? Johnny, are you looking for that evidence? Is there sufficient evidence, men, to convict you that you are in Christ? I want to focus on verse 7. Verse 7 reads this. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love all endures all things. So love does these four things. And they're not separate. Paul takes a little Greek word, all things, that thing, all things, or always, and he connects it in four different ways with four different phrases, and they all go together. And it's not to be seen separately. It's to be seen as one. And so love does these four things. And I want to ask you this morning that you measure yourself. As I talk about these four things, I ask you to measure yourself. And ask yourself the question, is your, mark, is your life marked by love? Is your life, uh, 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 are you giving your life to a life that's worth living? Or are you just living? That's the question I want to ask myself. And as I ask you these questions, I'm asking myself. You could put a mirror up here. It would be a bit awkward. I'd be preaching behind the mirror. But, but I want to ask you these questions. Are you measuring your life? So love bears all things. What does it mean? It literally means it always protects. Love bears things means it always protects. And it comes from a word, stego or stege, and it is likened to a roof. And a roof is fitted for the protection of a house from storms. So in your life, if you're looking at a picture of your life, and you are a building and you're a house, Love always bears things is that which holds up the roof. It's that part that holds the roof, those trusses that hold the roof, that protects the house. And you've got to ask yourself the question, why is love protecting? Why is it likened to a roof that protects? Because you see, love covers in a relationship. Love covers. Are you covering your wife? Are you covering your husband? Are you covering your friends with love? Love by design from God is intended to cover and to keep out. What? 
all things of the flesh. Resentment. If your roof is built well over your house, you won't pick up a fence. You'd keep resentment out. You'd keep bitterness out. You'd keep rudeness out. Your lack of patience would be these things that rain down on your carnal fleshly life. These lack of patience, envy, arrogance, irritability, all that is of the flesh. Love bears all things. It protects your life from these things. And keeps out of your life these things that so easily want to rain down on you, penetrate your life. And in a sense, nullify your testimony of being in Christ. Secondly, let's say all love bears all things. Let's try again. Love bears all things. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, secondly, love trusts. Okay, we don't have to say that. This is the second point. Love trusts. Love bears all things. Love is like a roof. It protects. It holds out. Now love trusts. Now I want you, I'm going to read a sentence, and I want to ask you this question in your relationships, one with another, husband to wife, parents to children. Love strains forward with all its might. To believe the best in every situation. Do you, do you find yourself straining with all your might to believe the best about the next person? If Mo doesn't send me a little harki in the week, a little emoticon that says, I love you, Derek, with a little hug, do I sit there and think, I wonder if Mo still loves me? Am I still the best elder because I'm the only one left? But love believes the best. I have to believe that this man loves my life. I have to strain forward to believe that Teresa wants the best for me in life. Do you feel that way about your wife? Do you, do you, do you believe that? Do you find yourself straining forward with all your might to believe that when your wife forgot to make you coffee, she actually just forgot. There wasn't a hidden motive in it. Love trusts. Love says, I have your very best interest at heart. I love you, Reynard. I have your very best interest at heart. Do I believe that? Do I strain forward to believe that? Love says, I will always be there for you. Will I be there for you? In your relationships, those that you are married, are you there? Trust, in one sense, is the integral pillar on which all relationships stand. If trust is broken, so too is the relationship. How many of you sitting here this morning, don't put up your hand, because I know some of you can testify, when trust was broken, the relationship was gone. You see, love trusts. So when I'm dealing with my son, Timmy, and I say, Timmy, just, Daddy wants to ask you one thing, my boy. Son, just be honest with me. That's all. Because that holds the relationship. You see, that holds the relationship. If I said to Timmy, go and, don't go and do this and this, and then I kind of find out via via that he has, I have to rebuild my thought processes. Can I trust him? Where is he? What's he looking at? Where? Can you see that? Love trusts people. 
And in this move of God, in this revival of the, this is what He wants to bring to us. In our midst, that's what's called, we have to have the wax. We have to be a people that loves. When people walk into our midst, when we go to people, they must see here is a people that loves. Sometimes you need to say to someone, I love you. This is your moment, young guys. <laughs> Are you a trustworthy person? Are you living a life that people can say, I trust him? Or I trust her. Thirdly, love always hopes. Love always hopes. This is very interesting. Hope means, it's not like I hope. Mo comes and prays for the hole in my head so my brain doesn't fall out. Hope isn't, I hope I'm going to get healed. No, that's not hope. Hope is a confident belief in the unseen. I confidently believe that one day I will stand up here without a plaster on my head. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hope is an expectation of good things. Do you live with an expectation of good things? Who finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor from the Lord. Young men, are you, are you living with a hope that one day, not that you'll find the perfect wife, but hopefully you'll be with someone worth marrying? Men, hopefully you'll reach a place in your life to be a man that is actually worth marrying. That's a slight difference of just for us, he's a poppy and We're not of the world. We're in Christ. And so, young men, we have to live in, in a way that we, are, we offer ourselves. Because when I often think of when a lady gets married or young, I mean, recently my son got married a month ago and Danny stood over there. And I was looking at her and I was thinking, you are saying to my son that on my whole planet I choose you. And I say no to everybody else. That's a big ask for Matthew to live up to that. Come on, young ladies, say Amen. And young men say, my Aina. Yes. That old papa and he is not a bit tachtig as I moet. But grow up to be a man that's worth marrying. And get over all your issues. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that, but that just popped out over there. Are you living a life that is hopeful in a country that seems to be falling apart? Are you living with a confident belief in the unseen goodness of God and the mercies of God that are new every single morning? Or are you consumed every time some political figure gets up and says, Ons gaan hierdie land tot in standstil bring. He doesn't speak Afrikaans, but anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying, love always hopes. Is there sufficient evidence in you? Are you bearing all things? Are you trusting are you living in hope? Is there evidence in you of Christ in you? Because Christ is love. And if He's in you, we'll see it. They asked Rainer Bonker once, does Jesus live in him? And his answer was, of course He lives in me. Because sometimes when I look in the mirror, I see Jesus climb up and peep through the windows of my eyes. I'm sure we got that quote completely wrong, but it's got something to do with that. 
fourthly, love endures. And here I want to just speak a little bit into marriage, if I may. Someone had a dream about me not so long ago, talking about carrying uh, authority in the one hand and marriage in the other, almost like a scepter of authority in those areas. And I, I felt when, we, when this person said that to me, I needed sometimes just touch on these things for the married people. Single people, you can learn and wait. But love endures all things. Love perseveres. It literally means love perseveres and endures all things. It's a military term. Did you know that? Love endures all things comes from a military term. And the picture I'm going to give you for those who maybe were in the military, some of us were, like I was, it means to hold a position even to death. How many of us in our marriages hold a position even till death, until death us do part? How, much, how many of us abandon that position? You see the world abandoning that position all the time. But the military term means if you, Reynard, if me and you, back to back, R5s, because I don't know A5 assault rifles, magazine strapped back to back, couple of grenades, it's me and you, who's with us? We're holding this position. We're on the hill, and we, 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 it's the last little piece of infrastructure in the town, and we are being bombarded with grenades and mortars and firepower, and it's just um, traces going tup, 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 overhead, and the sky's lit up, and I'm shouting, Are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. Give them... You know what? Can't say it because love. <laughs> and you're fighting. You are holding the position. You are holding the position. You're enduring till the end. Reynard, we will fight. With the knowledge we're going to die. But we will not give up our position. Love. Love endures. You need to fight to the death when it comes to your marriages. Until death you do part. Don't you for one moment, sir, wake up and think that you can abandon your position that God has called you to. Amen? Amen. So love endures. Love does these four things. Your love for each other is to endure all things. Your love for one another is to endure all things. You've got to keep fighting for it. You've got to keep working for it. When you step out of love and out of that evidence of Christ in you, you've got to relocate yourself back to that position and find yourself in a place where love endures all things. You've got to contend for God's plan and purpose in your marriage. You've got to contend for it. It doesn't come easily. Forget about what Hollywood says about marriage. Really. It's marriage for one week for them. For us, it's for a lifetime. Amen? Amen. And husbands, may I just remind you that you take the lead in this, in loving your wife. So I want us to just remind us this today that love bears, does these four things. 
your four things that love does. Love protects. Men, love protects. Love protects. Love trusts. Love is confident about that which is still to come. And love perseveres. Amen? So I titled my sermon this morning, This is a Life Worth Living. And I want to call us this morning as a people to this. And it affects every single one of us. Every single one. If you're single, love your mom. Love your dad. The evidence of Christ in you is your ability to forgive your father. That's the evidence. The evidence in you is never how high you jump and how you shout. The evidence in you is that. And it's good to worship the Lord. And the Lord tells us to worship in this way. But I want to just say, for us to live in a, in a revival of truly God's infinite presence, it comes when He sees the people working in love. I often wondered if we took a sermon like this, a, a very simple four-point sermon, and we lived it, we would live in a revival because people would look from the outside in and go, oh my goodness, look at how they love each other. And so just to qualify, I see a lot of love in this congregation. I need to say that. Before it becomes too heavy, Mo's winking at me. There is a lot of love and I see it. It's beautiful for me to see it. It's beautiful to see how people love each other care for one another, give food to one another, pick up, give lifts, sponsor people. It's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's beautiful, and I believe there's a muscle in us that is, is there, but I think we need to take it to a higher level of where God wants it to be. I genuinely believe that if we live in the fullness of the love of God, we would not be able to contain what God will pour out. Because if that is the evidence of God's presence in you is loving, we often think, and it's true, that there's a presence when we worship, and that's what's going to draw people. You might draw them, it won't keep them. You see, evidence of the outpouring of the Spirit of God here in worship will, 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 will pull people, but it won't keep people. The way we love people will pull people towards us. And you know, to love, we often have to look past imperfections. Am I right? We have to look past imperfections. We need to look past all our carbuncles. Our warts and all. Amen? That is a life worth living. This one scripture that I want to end off with is something that I think about regularly. It's also in 1 Corinthians 13, and it's the way the Apostle Paul ends the chapter. He sums up life like this. These three remain. Faith. When you come to a prayer meeting to pray for rain, bring your umbrella even if it hasn't rained for the last three months. That's faith. Hope. Hope is that confident expectation for the unseen. 
Some of you hope to get married. Amen? Don't lose your hope. Hope is a, oh, hope I'll get married. Hope is a confident expectation in the unseen. In the right time, when God has it for me, he'll add it to me if it's in his will. Amen? And then love. The greatest of these. The greatest of these is love. Amen? The greatest of these is love. So I'm going to end over there this morning. And um, I love what Pete used to say. He used to say we used to behold Jesus. Which is true. It's beautiful. In 1 John, talks about in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, we've, we've sat around the table this morning of love. We've sat around the unveiling of Christ this morning. You know, it's not just a sermon, you know. Delivered as best as I can. But we sit around the person of Christ here this morning. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. That is so profound. When I think about us sitting around, eating at the table of the Lord, and the Lord is saying to us, I want you to love. And I want you to measure your life this morning. Can we just for a moment, just before we end off, I wonder if we could just bow our heads for a moment. I really felt this is what God had for us this morning. And I hope my message came across with love. I don't know. I'll measure that afterwards and speak to the elders. But love. God, how am I doing? Can you ask him that question this morning? Can I ask you to be courageous enough to take the, the spirit level of the Holy Spirit, that spirit level, and hold it up against your, the wall of your life? And see the little bubbles in the center. Are you loving? Are you enduring? Are you bearing? Are you believing the best of the person next to you? Are you genuinely loving? Because that would be the evidence. If you want to know if you are saved, if you want to know if you are in Christ, then ask yourself the question, are you able to? Love. Are you able to forgive when someone has deeply offended you? You don't have to make a big thing about it. You just need to say, man, I... It was probably your own insecurities, but... Say, God, forgive me. Make right. Love people. Love the saints. Measure your life this morning. Measure yourself to find, am I in Christ this morning as God desires to pour out His Holy Spirit upon, upon us and just bring about such a beautiful move of God, which I believe He's already doing. We're in the process of that. This is an area that the Holy Spirit just wants to touch on this morning. The evidence of my true discipleship. If you want me to pray for you this morning, do you understand? If you feel in this area of your life, you want me to pray for you, just stand for a moment. And I'm going to pray. Jesus. Jesus.
Jesus, Jesus, Lord. Oh, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I know your will and your design and desire for us is to love. And Father, I just, yeah, sometimes I don't even know, Lord, why we ask people to stand, but I did it anyway. Father, to be real, Lord, I want to pray for each and every person that's standing, Jesus, and ask you, Father, Lord, where they're struggling, Father, where they're struggling. God, can I ask you, precious Jesus, to fill them and flood their hearts, Lord, with a resolute decision to decide to love, Lord, because love is not a feeling, Lord. It's a decision of your will. Some mornings I wake up, Lord, and the desire to worship you is there, and some mornings I wake up, Lord, and my feelings aren't that great. And so, Father, you know the fickleness of our hearts. So, Jesus, I want to pray just, Lord, I want to pray for marriage just this morning, Father. If you're sitting next to your wife, can I ask you to hold her hand for me, please? Young guys, this is not your opportunity. Uh, just hold the, the hand of your wife for a moment. Um, now let me come over here to where Teresa's standing. Come here, precious. Let's just hold the hands together. Jesus, I want to pray uh, for marriages this morning, Lord God. Father, where our hearts <laughs> sometimes battle to endure. Jesus, I pray, Father, Lord, where our hearts, Lord God, fail us. I want to ask you, Jesus, that the marriages in this church, Lord, be a beautiful reflection of Christ and his church. Father, I pray where there's offense between husband and wife, where there's difficulty, I want to ask you, Jesus, Lord, that we hold short accounts. I want to ask you, Jesus, that we forgive and love one another, Lord Jesus, even as you have laid down our lives for us. Oh, Father, help us, Lord Jesus, to love one another this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. What if we can all stand this morning? Let's all stand for a moment.